0: we are here with a divorce lawyer today and we're gonna ask her a
1: couple of questions very exciting getting insight on we're not even married yet we're already talking to a divorce lawyer (laughs) (laughs) we like to think ahead yeah (laughs) always plan in advance always be prepared
2: Jackie Harounian. I'm a partner in a law firm in Great Neck, and I'm very excited to be on this podcast, and I want to apologize for coming to Esakhali. No! Oh my God,
1: God. I actually, I wanted to ask if we could take you out for coffee after, like,
0: we're just so
2: happy you're here. another time, but thank you. It's a pleasure (laughs) to be here.
0: Yeah, we also wanted to just apologize to the listeners for the sound quality today. It is Easter, and we're so Jewish, we forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Our studio is closed, so... We're uh, doing it old school. going back to our roots. We're going back to our roots and and really with someone who is from a different generation and we're just so flattered that she she really wanted to be a part of this. This is like I didn't ever think anyone I know beyond our age group would you actually want so to. Yeah, <laughs> you,
2: you are definitely legit. And I I said before to millie I really feel like it's my destiny to be part of a Persian girl. Uh, podcasts. I didn't know there were podcasts when I was growing up as a, as a young Persian girl, but it's definitely being a Persian girl is has shaped my identity since birth. Even though I was born uh, in the U.S., I went to a public high school, but being a Persian girl, what that means has shaped my identity throughout yeah. my life, through college, during my marriage, raising my children, uh, and even today. Um, you know, I'm a woman in my late 40s, and I'm very much still a Persian girl.
0: I love that. I love to hear that. So I think like everyone is dying to know. I know this is bad to say it like that, but you know you're a divorce lawyer in Great Neck. I'm sure you work with so many Persian couples. What do you find is like one of the main reasons people are splitting up these days?
2: Uh, that that's a very uh, sort of complicated question, and I'll unpack it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm very proud to say for myself, uh, I'm married 29 years. I married when I was 20 years old, and I met someone who was a very good match for me. And even though I'm a very different person than I was uh, when I was 20, I've grown, I've changed as a person. My husband has too, but we've grown, uh, thankfully, in the same direction. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of reasons why the divorce rate in the Persian community, and I extend that to... The Israeli community, there's now a Bukhari and Russian community <coughs> and an Orthodox community in mm-hmm. Great Neck and, of course, many other groups of people. Yeah. Uh, and if I was relying on uh, that market to stay in business, I would be out of business because the divorce rate since I've been practicing law over the past 25 years has been single digits, like low single digits in the Persian community. The divorce rate was probably less than 5% 20 years ago. Today, that number is higher. The, the divorce rate is creeping up a little bit. Uh, I would say probably more, closer to the 10% range, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Uh, but still, a very small part of my practice. I mean, my we have nine lawyers at my firm. Um, I don't market myself to the Persian community for lots of reasons. I'm not comfortable doing it. I, I don't want people to think that I'm looking for business in the Persian community. Mm-hmm. But still, I have a lot of cases, um, including... Uh, prenuptial agreements, custody issues, uh, not just divorce cases, but the rate is going up and there are a lot of trends in the Persian community, uh, that extend way beyond our community into what's going on around the world, especially the Western world, which is that people are marrying later, women, uh, now have jobs and a little bit more economic freedom, so that correlates with later marriage, uh, And that's affecting the Persian community and, in a a much larger sense, the whole community. Uh, So these are trends that are concerning, quite frankly, to older generations, because this is very different from the expectations and the reality we had uh, 20 or 30 years ago.
0: So what what would you say the age range is for most of, or could you talk about that?
2: I mean, I can't give specifics about the cases I'm handling, but... The reasons for divorce uh, in the Persian community, that was your original question, Uh, they're very similar to the reasons that any couple uh, would would have challenges in a marriage. I mean, a lot of it has to do with infidelity. Uh, Some of it is domestic violence, and I have a particular uh, experience in that area because I'm affiliated with a number of um, uh, organizations that help women and uh, children victims of abuse and domestic violence. Uh, So there are some... Uh, some issues that I think are specific to religious and traditional communities with respect to domestic violence. But the reasons a lot have a lot to do with grow people that grow apart, that are not communicating yeah. well. Uh, you know, women now sometimes have the financial wherewithal to leave a bad marriage. So I was actually going to ask about that because you said, sorry to interrupt, but you said that um,
1: the fact that people are getting married a little bit later now because women have are more likely to hold a job and have independence is concerning to the older generation but I would think that like especially mothers from the older generation would be happy for their daughters because I know a lot of women used to say that like if they were unhappy in their marriage they couldn't leave because they didn't have any skills to really support themselves on their own yeah so wouldn't you think that like they would be happy for their daughters that they're choosing to like hone a skill and like go to college and get an education and get a job where they can support themselves if
2: their marriage goes bad and that they don't have to be stuck in such a horrible situation. Okay. So let me, yeah, no, no, no. I think by and large, um, the young people in our community, I don't know that much about LA, but, uh, the, the New York Persian community, the women are very well educated. Mm -hmm. They are going to college. Many of them have advanced degrees. They have the support of their parents. Um, some of them launch very successful careers, but there is a little bit of a risk with that, and you, I definitely hear parents, not just the moms, but the dads too, saying, you know, having a career is not worth it unless you're also married. Yeah. And, and, and there's absolutely a sense, and I'm not going to say it's wrong, that marriage is the ultimate goal, and becoming a parent, yeah. being a mother is more important than anything else. I have a, a cousin, I won't name her name, she's a little bit older than me, she's a surgeon. And even when she became a surgeon at an older age, um, it wasn't until she got married that her parents thought that she was. She's really, accomplished. She's made it. Yeah. In other words, despite being a surgeon, despite having all the achievements that come along with that, it's a very difficult career. Um, it, it was when she got married that she felt validated by her parents. Wow. And um, and that, and I, I understand that yeah. actually I understand that. And I'm not going to say it's a wrong thing. I I am also very traditional notwithstanding the fact that, um, you know, I have been able to have a career and raise a family. I'm still traditional enough to say that I want that for my children too, whatever it means to them. I think raising a family, being married, is really something to uphold.
1: Yeah. I always say that personally, I don't want my job to be my life. I want it to be part of my life. Like, I want to have a career, yes, but I don't want to like have to sacrifice family for my career right i want to be able to do both the same way you're doing both but i think i see a pattern um not that there's any wrong with this career choice but i see majority of girls at least from the new york persian community choosing jobs that will give them a very flexible schedule mm-hmm. so that they can have a family right. it's a very specific like three kind of like certain type of jobs that i see most girls choosing yeah, and they really choose me. it they choose it i don't want to shit on anyone though who's choosing yeah, i know like, i don't want it's to. it's their but choice I'm just whatever honest. at the end of the day of course yeah like i'm pointing it out because i think it's a bit strange too but majority of them are choosing like a very specific like niche of jobs
2: like what which jobs are um pa,
1: PA um speech. Yes, and there was another one I forgot, but
2: But it's mostly like those jobs because it gives you that flexible, flexible it gives you flexibility, but it gives you a lucrative career with a very high degree of education and a flexible schedule. Yeah, you know what I mean? There are other jobs that are far more flexible and you don't make as much money. Yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. A lot of my friends' children are pursuing those careers you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But those are high-paying careers, given the time you put in. Yeah, of course. That's why it's still
1: something that is, like, respectable and still something that, like, these people worked hard to get because it's, like, many years of schooling. Yes, exactly. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that, like, these girls still very much have children and marriage in their mind when they're choosing that career. I don't think they're necessarily choosing it because they're so passionate about it and, oh, I love speech, like...
2: I don't think that's why they're choosing it. <laughs> like, yeah. who's really
1: like, oh my God, speech is my life? Like, no. Like, well, no, I have the, something in mind. I don't know. I, no, I, I'm that, a big I,
2: proponent because I mentor a lot of young women and, and young students, and you have to find something you love. Yeah. Whether it's law or medicine or real estate or anything, uh, it could be marketing. If you love it. You're going to find a way to make it work and you're going to make money doing it. Yeah. So I don't know if speech pathologists hate it, but they're still doing it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think actually I like speech like
0: pathology, like you really do have to love it. I but, think so. But I guess like, I don't know. I just was always bothered by the whole physician's assistant thing. Cause I'm like, become a physician yourself. I, <laughs> I really don't know where it came from. Like my whole life, I've just always, I've, I'm very, very, like, business-oriented. I, like, I've always wanted to start. I have started my own mm. businesses. Good and I just, I love the idea of having a career. It's just, like, that is what makes me feel alive. So I guess maybe it's just that I can't relate to women who are, like, well, I'm just going to choose some, like, there's a phrase in force, like, like job, mm. occupation, until mm. the right man comes along. Because, like, you know, if I went to this school and now I'm, I am have this Occupation and uh, this, I I just feel like they're trying to, to, you know, finish this checklist, and that's what will make someone look appealing. Yeah,
2: no, no, I see what you're saying. I mean, um, PA school though is very hard to get into, it's almost impossible to get in there. So it's become, I think, because it's so saturated. Yeah, it's It's very saturated. It's uh, competitive. I think Persian girls sometimes we do. We do sell ourselves short. We kind of, uh, we're afraid to sometimes take risks. Yeah, I want to hear more about that in regards to you, because you said like your whole upbringing, even though though you were born here and you weren't
1: raised in such a Persian community, but you always, you said like being a Persian, quote-unquote Persian girl, was such a big part of your identity. So Mm -hmm. did it affect the way people looked at you since you, grew up in an area where there weren't that many Persians Because yeah. I know it affects me. I know guys will ask me questions that they wouldn't ask another girl. Like, right. Let's say on dating apps, I'm not afraid to admit that I use dating apps. Not ashamed of it at all. I think it's become something more I, norm. I
2: most people most people in their 20s, from what I understand, are using that.
1: Yeah, but a few, ago, was, a few years ago, it was ago. like, oh, ha-ha, use it as a joke because nobody wants to admit that they're really looking for something on a dating app. But now I think it's more become more of a norm, a social norm mm-hmm. and I've had guys on apps ask me like oh how Persian are you I'm like what mm. does that mean or they ask me oh your parents let you be on this app and I'm like what I'm in my 20s what do you mean do my parents let me on be on this app like are you, next year you're gonna ask me if my parents let me go on play dates or something like like it's because I'm a Persian girl that these they're asking these questions. So I want to know, like, for
2: you, did you feel those differences, like being a quote unquote Persian girl growing up? So, so, um, my parents came here uh, separately, but one of the first wave of Persians to come to the U.S. So mm-hmm. they came here around 1960, uh, both of them for education. My mother's father was a doctor. He came here uh, to take his boards, um, and my father came here on a scholarship to study science, and. Um, uh, they married in 1969 um, my mother was uh, 18 my father was 29 so my mother was a very young mother and um, when I have a twin sister after after we were born my parents raised us very strictly I mean they absolutely wanted us to be raised with quote unquote Persian values our first language was Farsi uh, you know we they really um, wanted to instill in us a pride of being Persian and the values and the Shabbat dinners and the Persian food and music. My father would constantly tell us about all of the positive attributes of being Persian. But it didn't really hit me uh, personally until uh, I became a teenager. And my parents severely limited our social contacts, going to parties, dating, going to the prom. None of that. We were not allowed to participate in any of that. Uh Even though I went to Jericho High School in Nassau County... Uh, And it was very much an American, outwardly looked like an American girl. Um, But we were not allowed to have an American teenager experience. And, um, but my classmates, they didn't really see us as Persian. There were no other Persians in the school, really, except my cousin of mine. Um, A couple of cousins I had, but uh, we didn't really identify as Persian in the school. And uh, it was a very white school. It was mostly all one homogeneous type at that time. It's changed a lot since then. Uh, So I really felt being Persian as I started to get a little bit older, 17, 18, when I realized everyone else is going to parties and drinking and experimenting and going to the prom and talking about teenage experiences. And we were absolutely told in no uncertain terms, you are not going to do those things. That's not what girls in our community do. And my twin sister and I, and I have a younger sister, um, we, we totally bought into that and did not rebel against it. We oh, were okay wow. with it. Okay. Uh, our first cousins, I have about 10 first cousins that had a similar upbringing mm-hmm. and they were my peer group. And it was very normalized that we are only going to hang out with each other, go to the movies with each other. We don't drink. We don't go date at all. And, and that was our experience. And it was not just our experience. You know, in the 1980s and 90s, this is how Persian girls, most of them, I'm not going to say all of them, Mm -hmm. but most of them, this was the expectation. You're going to stay a a good girl. You're going to eventually date and marry um, in in a certain prescribed way. And most of girls my age, that was our experience, and that was my experience. I married when I was 20. My uh, twin sister married when she was 21. We both married Persians, moved to Great Neck. And uh, my sister ended up getting divorced, actually. Uh, but my marriage—so um, this is what I mean. My, being Persian, uh, I followed, I followed the script, mm-hmm. and I have honestly no complaints. Um, but I can see that things are very, very different today. Very. I mean, almost like a different planet. Yeah, I mean, like one of the main things I think that
0: drives people in relationships apart is social media and. You just posted about this on your Instagram yeah? about uh, couples who share Facebook. Oh, yeah. So it's funny
1: that you posted that because my friend sent me a meme just this week that said, like, to all the couples who have joint Facebook accounts, the rest of the world just wants to know which one of you cheated so bad that you lost your privileges to privacy. (laughs) And I was laughing because me and my friend, we know a couple like that, Mm -hmm. that, like, obviously not going to give any names or details, Mm -hmm. but the husband is under 40 and on his third marriage right. because of his cheating and now has a joint facebook account because right. of lack of trust. Right. And the idea to me to start a marriage with so little trust that you have to do something like that from the get-go. Like I I kind of want to hear more about your instagram posts and what
2: brought you to so I have, a, about I have that. an instagram post under my law firm it's Whistleman Haruni in mm-hmm. case anyone wants to find it and I I post things that I've, you know, not so much on Instagram, I post a lot on LinkedIn, actually, mm-hmm. and okay. on our Facebook oh, also, on so if you find me, but yeah. um, there's a lot of, uh, trust is a very important part of a marriage, and unfortunately, there is a lot of infidelity, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in the community, and a lot of it is almost like, it's because of the traditional structure uh, that, and the double standard that exists, where uh, I think it's considered a forgivable offense, and a lot of uh, there's a lot of secrets in marriage. And I don't want to say this is just a Persian thing, because it really isn't. No, of it's, course it's not. It's a universal yeah. thing.
1: I think a lot of the time, a lot of our listeners who aren't Persian have come up to me and told me, like, something that you described as Persian, like, I'm Ashki and I go through right. this, or I'm Indian and I go through this. Like, it's, so many cultures are just going through the same thing. It really
2: is, especially traditional cultures. And, yeah. and this is what the Persian culture is, or yeah. or Orthodox Jewish, or Russian, or even Italian, mm-hmm. Asian. Communities where you know, sort of, there's a certain structure in the family in the household. You're gonna see, um, you're gonna see the same things again and again. So adultery is a big one. And you know, one of the things I wanted to mention today is just this, I, this thing that I know now after 25 years of being in this field um, is that not everyone is meant to be married. Not mm-hmm. every person can stay monogamous. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. Yeah. And uh, this is something our community really doesn't want to necessarily recognize at this time that not everyone is straight. Not everyone is really going to have a house in Kings Point. No. Not everyone can have large families and support those families well. And in, in some households, maybe um, you're going to have... Uh, uh, the husband is not going to be the earner. Maybe the wife is going to be the one who has a, you know more potential to have a career. Mm-hmm. And maybe there are going to be some couples that are childless or never get married in the first place or get divorced. Um, there are so many taboos and stigmas, and everything in the Persian community really, um, until recently, I would say, came down to averu. You know what averu is? Mm-hmm. Averu is the face, is the reputation that you put to the outside world versus what's really going on in your home. And uh, this is this is a, t- a difficult thing for people to accept. For young people that do want to find partners, that it, it's almost like an imperative. You have to find someone. Within your community, or with certain criteria, and you know, there's a lot of pressure on young people, and I absolutely see it. And I, we talked about it a little bit earlier about how people are getting married sometimes because they feel like they have to. Yeah, they feel like it's a time and line not before they have to, like, they're ready. things off at a certain age. Yeah, uh, uh, it's difficult to have, to meet that standard, that abiru, that certain face that you're going to show to the outside world, which is very much a part of Persian culture, Jewish, yeah. Muslim, Baha'i. It's just the Persian people; they have this pride, yeah. and certain sense of, you know, uh, a standard that they uphold. And it, it it's, it's going to work for a lot of people. It's not going to work for everyone. And that's a hard thing to accept. And I do see it taking a toll on marriages and relationships because, you know, something has to give. It's, you can't always uphold it. So, so what's so- the
1: advice you give to your own kids? You know, as someone who did follow that path, yeah. really to a T, right? And it worked for you, thank yeah, God. Like you I think you got very lucky, and it worked for you, and you're happy. And but like you know, that's not necessarily for
2: everyone. So right. like, what's
1: kind of the advice you give to your own kids?
2: Um. So um, I'm very proud of my children. I have two children in their 20s, and then I have two teenagers. Oh wow. Um, I'm I'm very proud of them. I am certainly not as strict a parent as my parents were. I mean, I learned from that, and I think a lot of times, uh, you know. Children react to their parents. So I react a lot to how my parents were. Uh, definitely gave them a lot more freedom. They went away to college. Uh, I, I consider them to have be young people with very good judgment. Um, they're not spoiled. That's probably the number one thing I'm proud of, that they really get it. Mm-hmm. They understand, um, you know, what it is to be a person in the world, not just someone who's entitled. They're, they, they are really, I think, have open-minded. Uh, they're open-minded. Uh, When it comes to marriage and relationships, I think my advice to them is is to uh, be a person of character, and uh, hopefully they'll attract someone who's, as my husband is a very good person, everyone will tell you, he's a very well-liked, decent, good person. Um, I I really, probably in that sense, more than anything else, I really was blessed to have someone who is just a good person, genuinely proud of me, proud of my achievements, Uh, really is not a... Someone who ever held me back in any way. and I think that's so beautiful. I'm very fortunate. And yeah. I really think when I talk to women that want to have careers, it, it's very important that if that's really something that you think is non-negotiable, you want to work, you have to find a spouse that genuinely, genuinely supports that. Not just gives lip service and then sabotages yeah. you later. Someone who really says, you know, I get it. I'm working. You're working. We're going to raise our children together. I'm not going to give you a hard time if you hire a babysitter. I'm not going to, uh, you know, say you have to have dinner on the table every night because believe me, that's that was not our reality. Yeah,
1: there's men today who aren't as understanding as yeah. your husband, and we, sometimes it's out of being naive. We had a guest that a lot of people commented on something that he said. In general, he was a great guy, and it was very nice to hear a different opinion on our podcast, right. but he mentioned that he wants a girl who's educated but who won't work because he wants the mother of his kids to breastfeed all their kids and yeah. she can't work if she's going to be doing that
2: Okay.
1: Um, and it just reminded me how you know this generation has progressed and we are different from our parents but in some ways we're still so old-fashioned, we old fashioned and we don't understand yeah. Re- recently someone posted that it's become such a norm that a woman is supposed to sacrifice and give up so much of herself mm-hmm. for her kids and that women are applauded for doing it right. and that it's not fair it's not we fair we shouldn't be a woman for giving up so much of their life to have
0: a kid like we should like yeah we get so many messages also like really women who sound like they're in desperation they're like why don't any men want to be with me because I have a career they really think it's because they have a career and that they're intimidating men yeah. and they're like oh every guy that I know they just want to go after some girl who's not intimidating and doesn't want to work and doesn't Want to be read well read and, and also in
1: the religious that... community. Um, my cousin she moved here from Iran. Um, maybe I think it was like ten years ago. She was like my last family to like come here, and she's very religious. And she dates through Shad Khanim which is which are like matchmakers. Wow, um, and she came here. She finished undergrad. She went to dental school. She just graduated. Yeah, she she's down. a dentist. And she's been having a hard time getting, like, second dates, third dates. And she asked the matchmaker, the Shadchan, Shadchanit, she said, like, what am I supposed to do? And she said, maybe you should stop working and not be a dentist because you're intimidating men and they want someone who's going to be a housewife. And her response was, I didn't come to America and go through undergrad for the second time because she also did undergrad in Iran. She didn't go through undergrad twice and dental school to just be someone's wife. And the fact that men still want this—the fact that men want a woman who's just
2: going to be—I think home. some men want. Yeah, that. I think that's a generalization. Yeah, yeah some. I actually <laughs> speak to a lot of young people, a men, that they want a wife who's working. Uh, maybe, maybe you know, it's the more uh American or, uh, but all across all cultures, yeah. I really think it's hard. It's a lot of pressure on men, to to really earn a lot of money, and yeah. I really think a lot of them appreciate having someone who is going to help. And just as, just as I think a lot of women appreciate having a husband who will help
0: raise yeah, children.
2: Course. And it's just a matter of finding. Yeah. Right I shouldn't fit. generalize. That's for sure. it's, I shouldn't it's really generalize. not. No, no, no. I really think, yeah. um, you know, and the breastfeeding thing, you know, I think a lot of times women, we put pressure on ourselves. We absolutely do. And I'm hundred percent guilty of that. When I was raising my children, um, and my children are spaced four years apart and that was done because, uh, first of all, I started young, so I had the ability to do that, but. I very much had this sense that I can't take on too much at once. Yeah. And so my husband and I, we really planned, uh, you know, as we were able to grow our family, we did that. And I did nurse my children, each of them, not for the longest time, for about three to six months each. But it was extraordinarily difficult. It was so difficult. And I would run back and forth to the office. I mean, I was really running myself ragged, practicing law. I mean, doing hearings. I never took much time off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I look back and I say, wow, I mean, why did I really do that to myself? And it wasn't my husband or my in-laws or anyone putting that pressure. I 100% put it on myself, and I didn't need to do that. And if I had to go back, and a lot of times uh, people who are listening to this who have spoken to me about it, I I, I do tell young women, you don't have to be so hard on yourself. You know, you really don't. You don't have to try to compare to the other uh, moms that stay at home full time because you're never, ever going to be able to... Accomplish that standard mm-hmm. and you have to make that okay and hopefully your spouse will also support that it's okay i mean
1: also there's so many things i feel like your generation didn't have like so many more companies are more accommodating to moms yeah especially honestly i'm i'm personally in a field because i work in the fashion business field where it's mostly women so the are so accommodating. That's like great. almost every office has a pump room that's great. where moms can go pump and then save their milk there and then bring it home to their babies afterwards when they come back to work from maternity leave. Um, I definitely think it has gotten easier mm-hmm. to be a mom and have a career, which great. is really amazing because that's something 100%. that I want for myself. I do want to have a family, and I do want that traditional side, but also have my career um but I just can't imagine how you
2: did it.
0: Like yes, I, it was I, I mean, amazing. I have a
2: five minute commute. My office is right in Great Neck. Yeah, I've been working in the same firm since I'm a law student. I have a very, very, uh, really, really amazing law partner. Um, and I was, I was probably too hard on myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm actually that kind of a person, a little bit of an overachiever mm-hmm. type. Yeah, and I, I probably could have taken a little bit easier. And for whatever reason. I just made a promise to myself that, you know, I breastfed my son a certain amount of time. I'm going to do the same thing with the others, and I did. But it was it was difficult. I have to tell you, working and raising children all at once, and being married and all of that, it is, I've had some really, really brutally hard days, and I, I'm honest enough to admit it. It is definitely not easy. I also had uh, what I call a wife. I had a living nanny mm-hmm. for 12 years. Oh, she wow. was amazing. She's an incredible woman that I'm still in touch with on Facebook. She lives on Russia in Russia with her children, but um, I, I had help. I had a lot of help. There, it, by no means was it easy. Do you ever and feel I'm like gonna people take credit for it at put all. you
1: down in any way, like because oh, yeah. you weren't always there for every moment of your kids' life, or you missed something, and other moms would brag about it? Like, do you feel like
2: people kind of? I mean, I, I never missed anything. I, I would show up in my children's classrooms with my suit on, and, <gasps> and I would hundred yeah, percent show up absolutely. for everything, But Amazing. I really did. And I was even on the PTA, and I would, you know, be class mom, and I really overdid it because I didn't want anyone to say, and I didn't want to tell myself that because you're a lawyer and you have a demanding career, you can't be a full time mom. And I did. I I really think you're very compensated. I definitely. I was hard on myself. Yeah. But um, no, no. But looking back, I mean, I don't think I missed out on too much. But uh, was I judged? A thousand percent. When I first started working, first of all. When, I, when, I, uh, my, when my son was born, I went to law school when he was nine months old. I mean, people flat out laughed in my face when I said that I was going to go to law school. They mm-hmm. thought it was a joke. They would, like, you know, kind of smirk at me and my husband. And, ha, so ha, who's ha. they, for example? This is something I oh, wanted I to know. ask you, but I wasn't I mean, sure I if, if you, you go to that class for going to law school. I mean, it's very much something I felt compelled to do. I knew I couldn't stay home full time. Yeah. I just knew that, I, and my mom worked. My mom had a very successful retail business. And my father had a, you know, was an entrepreneur. I, I really knew like I had to work. I, I can't stay home. I have to feel productive. That's just who I am. Yeah. And even though my, my son was a very easy baby and really easy to raise, I just felt like I want to continue my studies. And um, my husband was very supportive, never said no. And wow. my, my mom was very supportive, my dad. Uh, and I really think this is the number one function of a mom, a dad too, is to tell your daughters, I believe in you and you can do it. And I'm here for you. Even though, um, for the most part, you know, my mom helped me a lot, a little bit with my son in the beginning because I didn't have a nanny then. But um, I, I always felt like she had my back, and my sisters too, and my husband worked in Manhattan. Uh, you know, twelve hours a day. He wasn't really around during the day, but he was supportive. I mean, he never held me back. Uh, so, mom, mothers serve a very important function to to support their daughters. But mm-hmm. like, I believe in you. You're gonna. You've got this. You can do this. And I say the same thing to my daughters all the time. So um, what was the question? I forgot. No, about people judging you. Oh, yeah. So when I first, uh, you know, as a young mom, I was, I don't remember any other women my age that were in school or as moms or working at all. Really great neck in those days. Uh, There weren't many. There weren't many working women at all. Um, And so I was definitely an outlier. And um, I didn't really talk about my uh, school or work or my firm too much when I was a younger mom, because I did face a lot of judgment. A lot of people uh, just couldn't believe it. Like, how could I possibly be raising my child and married and working as a lawyer? They just, it didn't fit in with their reality. And yeah. and for a lot of women, too, they just, a lot of women just really judged me pretty harshly. And I got comments, and my my, my mother-in-law got comments, and my husband got comments, and um, when my firm started to grow and become a little bit more well known in the community, and I started to get Persian clients, uh, a few people came up to me like, Oh my God, we didn't even know you were working full time. Like, how did this happen? And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's partly because I didn't really talk about it very much. I really mm-hmm. kept it very quiet, and it's because I was very visible as a mom. I was always in the right places at yeah. the birthday parties, you know, at the park. I was very much a mom, and I think people know that. It's so upsetting
1: to me because. You- you like being in school and becoming a lawyer and being a mom is so amazing and like not to put any mom down that just chose to be a mom but at the end of the day what you did was harder and you deserve more credit for that you shouldn't like it upsets me that you felt like you had to hide that like you deserve more credit for that people should have been looking more up to you than they did to the woman who only stayed home Uh, and to never bash them but
2: just At the end of the day, what you did was harder. So let me just say, I do get a lot of positive feedback these days. These days. I get a lot, a lot of people. Well, I'm happy to hear things have changed. And a lot of young women in the community are absolutely getting professional degrees like you working in fashion or working in real estate or starting their own businesses. I mean, it's a different world right now than it was when I was a young mom. So my son is 27, so that's 27 years ago. It's a very different time. There are a lot of women that are more confident understand the value of education and their mothers understand because there are a lot of women that wish that they could go back and do it. And and I have to say there are also a lot of uh, moms that are full-time moms and doing an amazing job. They're amazing at everything they do. They help a lot in the schools or they're very active in their synagogues or they're really accomplished cooks and entertainers. Of course. They are very, and I don't ever mean to take it away. It's just not something that I was ever particularly good at or interested in and, um, you know, I chose my path, and in a lot of ways, it was very selfish. And I will admit that. I mean, I did what I really wanted to do. And because my husband was so supportive, I really got pretty far.
0: Well, speaking of judgment, do you, like, in recent years, have you found that your practice has interfered with your personal relationships? Like, if you're at a party, a Persian party, do people look at you like, Oh, a divorce, like, Do you
2: like, do people I, view you that way? Do you get any resentment? I feel like... It's not that I get resentment, but uh, first of all, I know a lot of people's... Uh, I know a lot of the secrets that people are carrying because for if there are problems in a family or people have questions about divorce, I get a lot of calls. I get a lot of calls about domestic violence. I get a lot of calls about people cheating, uh, financial secrets, and so I know a lot of things, and because I have an obligation to keep things confidential, yeah. I'm like a vault, I will know things, and I absolutely do not repeat it to my own husband. So sometimes I'll be at a party, and a client will come up, or the ex of a client, yeah. and I'll have to like really watch my facial expressions, and my husband will have no idea. And and that's it's very important to keep that confidentiality. A lot of times I'll go to parties, and people will ask me for my card, and then I'll hear from them. Or people will take me aside and say, I have a question. And more and more, I mean, it is uncomfortable. I'll go into parties, and it's someone I've been in court against yeah you know that's very uncomfortable.
1: I can only imagine. Very that.
2: uncomfortable, and uh, it's one of the reasons why I really try very hard to avoid contested divorce cases, mm-hmm. handling them myself. Uh, I much prefer to do mediation in the Persian community. Mm-hmm. Uh, mediation is a wonderful way to resolve disputes, and it's a growing practice area for me. And I really think um, you know more people should consider it. Unfortunately, divorces in the Persian community uh, are particularly nasty. Real really? Is a very, I, I would have uh,
1: thought that like Persians would want to keep things more hush hush and just like oh, get no. it over
2: with. Do they really like get petty and like get oh, rid really of really? the exact opposite? Really? I'm shocked. Uh, no, no, no. There is. um... So if it's okay, I'll tell you a little bit about divorce law and why. Yeah, it's, please no, do. So for divorce, us and for
1: our listeners.
2: So divorce law is really changing very quickly in New York. And a lot of it has to do with the advances that women are having in the work sphere. They're now earning a lot more, and some of them are earning more than their spouses. And men are advancing in the domestic sphere. So a lot of men have joint custody. Mm-hmm. A lot of them want it. A lot of them are very active fathers. And so you're reaching a little bit more equality. Maybe not in the Persian world, but in the American world, there is more gender equality. Uh, so one of the major changes is there's now no-fault divorce, which means people can get a divorce for any reason, you don't need a reason. You don't need to prove anything. You just say, "I want one."
1: Wait, generally
2: beforehand, you
1: had to prove yes. and give a reason so for ten divorce. years ago that or more. You
2: that. had to prove adultery. Really? You had to prove what's called cruelty. You had to prove abandonment. But in different states, there's the in different New York was the last state to finally accept that you don't need grounds other than no fault grounds.
0: In Wait, the Persian,
2: never knew. Yeah, that. so that's a big change, wow. and a lot of people don't know that. So what that means is, in, in, a, in, a, in a normal context, in an average context, it means, listen, we're not getting along, or our marriage is not really what it should be. Let's sit down and talk about it, because you don't need to say anything negative. Yeah. And, and mediation is, is a very good form to do that, or at least to not judge and blame each other. You know, neither of us are perfect. Let's focus on resolving the best custody arrangement for our children, which for many people is joint custody, and let's work out the finances unfortunately, in the Persian community and more traditional communities, and I will include Indian, the Indian community, Asian communities, where it's very much more honor-based. Mm-hmm. These are communities that believe in reputation and family very family-oriented. Yeah. So the fault is a huge issue. The fact that it's no-fault divorce, nobody cares. It is The Persian divorce is, you know, it's a scorched earth. I'm going to prove the other side was the problem. I'm going to make sure that everyone knows about it. There's a lot of blaming and negativity, and that, that carries into the custody sphere. So you see really bad custody fights. You see false allegations. You know, husbands are videotaping their wives. It's so selfish There's,
1: to their kids. Okay. How do you do that
2: to your child? Do people forget that their child is in the middle of I think, all of unfortunately, people don't always keep the best interests of their children at the forefront when they're... Intent on destroying their. Spouse. Oh yeah, I know
1: people. I've seen things. I know people that have like use manipulated their kids
2: to lie mm. in court for oh, them. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, I see. And a lot I'm just of that. shocked. I'm like, again, this is not every case, yeah. but there is definitely a fraction of cases, and I, unfortunately, in the Persian community, I think there's a higher tendency to litigate divorces and and really go for the jugular and really fight, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it's destructive going to court to fight especially over custody issues will destroy a family. And uh, it's very hard in a community where, like you said, there are parties, there's people, you know, you're inevitably going to see your ex, your in-laws, the relatives. It's very, very uncomfortable for people. And so I really do try to encourage uh, people from any background, my clients, just to try to take the high road and try to resolve things. Yeah. Because there's a huge difference in the outcome.
1: It's funny because recently I was speaking to someone in the Persian community um, who was saying when when people get divorced, the families don't feel like family anymore. A family that was once related by marriage, we're no longer family. You're an enemy. You're someone I don't know. Mm. And they completely cut each other off. And I was talking to them about how different it is, let's say, um, in the Russian community, because I have a friend who's Ukrainian, whose mom is divorced, um, like twice, technically, and right now like some of her family is coming here from ukraine so in one apartment it's her her mom her actual father her stepdad's daughter from his first marriage and her half brother from her mom's second marriage and they all just get along and they all help each other and like her stepdad is the godfather of her real dad's daughter from his second marriage and like it's just so beautiful to That's see that they cool. still consider each other family and they still get along. It doesn't matter that they separated, but
2: you will not see that in the Persian community. The, the fact is, uh, they are still a family. Even even being in a divorced family, you are still connected yeah. in very real ways. But and a lot of I, just you don't know, see I that think uh, it goes back to abiru and stigma, and uh, everyone knows. And, and this is a very good thing, by the way, that in the Persian community, you know, divorce is a last resort. Mm-hmm. Nobody jumps to a divorce lawyer. Yeah, the first right time anyway, they have a yeah. fight. I mean, really, it's a last resort, which means that that's why the divorce rate is under 10%. Because people will talk to their mother. They'll talk to their rabbi. They will, you know, really think it through. Nobody wants to be divorced. It's such a stigma. Well, like, what? If... The problem is, though, is that because of that stigma and because of that willingness to really stay in the marriage, no matter what, mm-hmm. there's a lot of... Um, Untreated mental illness. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fighting mm-hmm. that children see. There's a lot of situations that really escalate to the point where it's dangerous sometimes, and uh, you know there's a lot of uh, unfairness sometimes. I mean, what I see that really is unfair, and women are really powerless to change it, is that a lot of times the assets and the income are only in the name of the husband yeah. or in the name of his business or his family, and the wife is is doing the best she can, a wonderful wife and mother. She just wants a bank account. She wants to be able to, you know, buy kosher food without being, having to beg her husband for an allowance. Um, or she wants her house to be in her name because she's worried that her husband, what if something happens, there's nothing in her name. There is, unfortunately, an imbalance of, of money mm-hmm. that it needs to be changed. I mean, I, and I really do think and I hope that people listening to this podcast, you know, husbands and wives that are happily married, Uh, should really consider uh, a little bit more fairness in how, uh, you know, assets are titled, how income is shared. Some marriages really, unfortunately, (coughs) there's conflict that leads to divorce when it really doesn't need to be. Mm -hmm. There just needs to be a little bit more fairness in how the finances are handled. Because a lot of fighting, obviously, is over money. Yeah, of course. And a lot of women don't want to work. And their husbands don't want to work. Or uh, they want to work part-time, or whatever it is. And, And it's just... The money conflicts become huge problems.
1: In the beginning, you were saying how you feel like the whole cheating thing has almost become like normalized. Do you think it's because of the money issue that men hold this power that they're like, "I can do whatever I want and you can't complain
2: because where are you gonna go?" Do you think that men kind of manipulate the situation? Okay, so, yeah. So um, I want to say uh, the cheating thing is not—it's not that everyone cases yeah, like that. I do course. see a lot of that, um, but I really do think that's typical of divorce in general. But yes, I think a lot of times um, women will stay in a marriage where there's cheating or, or more concerning domestic violence. You know, uh, uh, not, not necessarily just physical abuse, but financial control mm-hmm. that really is abusive or emotional or verbal abuse. They stay in terrible situations and they lose their respect. They lose their own dignity. And really, yeah, they have nowhere to go. Where are they going to go? And uh, I just want to mention that one of the things that's going on in Great Neck recently, which is really a great thing, uh, is that UJA, I'm a part of a, a UJA committee uh, that helps victims of domestic violence, and they've opened a center in Little Neck, which is a mile away from Great Neck, on the, uh, at the Samuel Field Y on Little Neck Parkway. They have uh, counselors there that don't charge. They have a kosher food pantry. They are now doing support groups and services for victims of domestic violence and single parents and people that need a little bit of help or couples that need a little bit of help. And it's really a wonderful thing, and I'm very proud to be be part of this effort to really bring these services to Great Neck because uh, it really hasn't existed until now. And uh, there really is a need for counseling, and it really can help save marriages. Uh, You know, mental health counseling... I was going to ask so you about important. counseling, like percentage-wise, yeah. in the Persian community. Because in past episodes, we've
1: spoken about the fact that like a lot of Persian parents kind of dismiss mental health, and yeah. that if their kid says, I want to see a psychologist. Yeah. The parents would be like, psychologist, shit. Like, oh, yeah. I'll talk to me for free, and I'll tell you what's wrong with you. Right. And, yeah. Things like yeah. that and are very dismissive. Right. Do you feel like couples, do you think more marriages could have been saved
2: if couples were more open to counseling? Do you feel like in the community, it's something that people aren't open enough to? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm a hu- I have a degree in psychology myself. I got a graduate degree. Um, I, I think psychology, psychological counseling is definitely underappreciated and underutilized in the Persian community. A lot of it has to do with stigma. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has to do with the fact that many people will maybe go to a rabbi or a grandparent before they will go to a counselor, and sometimes that's the right thing. But it can't be the only thing. Yeah. And uh, there are a number of mental health counselors in Great Net that speak Farsi that are wonderful professionals. I am constantly referring them, uh, referrals for uh, marriage counseling, for drug addiction, for uh, individual counseling. There is a lot of untreated anxiety and depression uh, in the community. And a lot of it is hidden. And, uh, you know, can marriage house counseling help? I mean, my answer to that is yes and no. It helps if it's done early. If you're doing it at the point where already, you know, the you-know-what has hit the fan and the families are involved and there's already so much damage, marriage counseling can make things worse because a lot of times marriage counseling is a forum to just basically bring up everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't always go so well. Sometimes it really almost causes more pain. Yeah. Uh, but counseling, you know, it, it's covered under insurance a lot of times. And even when it isn't, uh, in my view, it's it's money well spent. And at my firm, we maintain a database of over 500 mental health counselors and anyone who needs it can send me an email and I will give names and referrals and I've saved many, many, many marriages. Uh, or at least uh, helped people cool off a little bit yeah. before they run and, and really over-litigate the case. Uh, and yeah, I think that's really a very good point. And, and what UJA is doing and what's being done at uh, Common Point Queens, that's what it's called, Common Point Queens on Little Neck Parkway, is they're providing counseling at no charge. I mean, it's free. You can walk in and see a social worker that has training, uh, and, and that's a very good thing. And it's out of Great Neck, so it's a little yeah, bit out of way. a little right. bit of privacy. Yeah, yes. Very important. Um, something
0: I've noticed,
2: is it sort of related, um,
0: is that when a lot of, at least in L.A., it seems I've noticed this trend where wealthier people are much more progressive Mm -hmm. with their values and they'll, for example, if their child is gay, they'll write maybe even a Facebook post acknowledging it and talking about it. And everyone is like in admiration. They're like, wow, that's so brave of them. They're Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, progressive. They're, They're so different. And then I think that, if someone who's not as wealthy or they don't have like a big last name that everyone knows about and people find out their child is gay then other people are like oh didi bad 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 jash bad gay like it's like all why let
2: me talk that, about that a little bit i mean there are a lot of people in the closet in great neck and a lot of them have trouble in their marriages and a lot of people are suffering staying in those marriages because a lot of people will stay and uh, this is one of the last taboos in our community is um, the fact that there's extreme homophobia sometimes, especially mm-hmm. the more you go towards the religious side. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm sensitive to the issue. I've talked to parents who are absolutely suffering, but more importantly, I'm concerned about the children who are suffering because uh, I do, I'm do. i on the board of a, a nonprofit called the Long Island Crisis Center. So it's a suicide hotline, and it is an absolute fact that Gay children, trans children that are not accepted by their own parents have a much, much higher rate of suicide and drug addiction. Of I course. mean, it is just a fact. I can't that imagine how much they, it. It, it, you really, you begin to hate yourself. Yeah, at the very least, and I always say the moms, the dads too, if you have a parent who accepts you, mm-hmm. forget about what goes on outside. It, it can save a child's life, it can change, change their sanity, it can change the course of their whole existence. And so, uh, there are unfortunately a lot of uh, young people who are probably gay uh, or whatever reason don't want to commit to a marriage or to a, a heterosexual relationship. They are just not going to get married, and we have to accept at a comu- as a community that that's okay. We yeah. have to accept it's it. It's not just a mental for illness. Rich there's oh, no, not at yeah. all. It's absolutely a fact of biology. This is the way you're born, and we have to accept it. It's in the Bible. It was always there, yeah. and it always. I try be to there. explain to people that like
1: there are cases of very religious people who come out as gay and like I try to explain to people people are like oh it's a choice like they're just being dumb mm-hmm. whatever blah, blah. I'm like really you think someone who grew up in a religious community and who was taught that it was wrong mm-hmm. is choosing to be that like, nobody would choose to would suffer choose, that much exactly in life and to have so much cognitive dissonance in their body and be like mm-hmm. like wanting something that they're not supposed to technically mm-hmm. have in their community and like who would choose that? So, Nobody so would this choose is, that. Uh, you know,
2: I think something that's unique to being Persian, Jewish, is this stigma, this homophobic stigma. It really is a function of being from the Middle East. Middle Eastern values are intensely homophobic. In Iran, you know, in other countries, they will throw you off the roof. They'll hang you yeah, if you're gay. Yeah, yeah. In that's, Iran,
0: I know that they, if they find out a man is gay, they force them to get a right. sex
2: change. Right, and that's why they can say that there are no gay people because mm-hmm. they're basically converting... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having I'd surgery. I never heard that. Before. Yeah. yeah, I learned so. So good. that stigma is very, very powerful. Very much exists in Great Neck and everywhere else. But you do see, and I know of families in New York that whose children are gay and they are open about it. Mm-hmm. And those are much, much healthier families. You know, yeah. you are only as sick as your secrets. You can't keep that a secret.
0: But it's, I guess, like what I was more pointing out was how come it's more okay for wealthy people to if their daughters have had premarital sex or if right. their sons are gay. Like, it's okay for them to be this open, but if you're not that from that kind of family, then you can't risk that because, right. you know, like, a lot of people oh. say, like, oh, well, she can do that because her parents are rich and there's millions of guys lining up I mean, for her. Really true. It's such a disgusting... Like, why do... You really should not be judging yeah, people I've, based I've people so on who their family is. Really, like, learn yeah. to judge people based on their character. Everyone talks about being so real... Yeah. Really practice what you preach. Yeah. It's a I mean it's really frustrating. Like
1: it's not just thing. in the Persian community though. It's if you look like I don't wanna compare this necessarily no, to famous words, people, yeah. but like if you look at famous people they do whatever they want, they do whatever the drugs they want in public. They crash cars. They commit any felony mm-hmm. they want because they know that they're famous and their money's going to back them up and their title's going to back them up. So mm-hmm. I think also Persian people in the community, they're like, I come from a good family. I come from a wealthy family, yeah. old money, new money, whatever it is. But I have a title backing me up. I'll still get married. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to pre- present myself in a way so people will want me. I'm just already mm-hmm. wanted. It's right. like this whole idea of having this title behind you. A, a mm-hmm. lot of, I feel like um, the Persian community. It's kind of like um, a class system still, mm-hmm. where, like, it's like wealthy people are only getting married to this wealthy me people. This is something else I
0: wanted to ask you, actually. And, like,
1: <laughs> it's this whole idea that, like, if you're not a girl from a wealthy family, you have to be very beautiful
2: to marry mm-hmm. someone yeah. from a wealthy family. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think wealth is... is a very highly prized value in our community, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. We have many, many, many billionaires in our community on both coasts. Yeah. Many. Yeah. And and many, many millionaires that are almost billionaires. I mean this is it. There's a lot of wealth in this community. And wealth is you know you know it can make you blind to a lot of other things. And and beauty is a great equalizer. Mm-hmm. It's true. You can be a nobody but, and looks will always attract attention, especially as a woman. Yeah. But you know what other things are important too. You know, I mean, you can, and I can say this because I'm a middle-aged woman, I'm not starting out like you guys, but you can have your own achievements. You can, uh, you know, you can choose what you prize. I have a lot of, uh, you know, my younger sister's a doctor and my twin sister's a lawyer. And uh, I have a lot of lawyers and doctors in my family, and there are many Persian families that have very successful, educated young people. Um, And that's a lot to be proud of. And, you know, and I, this is something I talk to my children about all the time. I'm not going to say that money is not important. Of course it is. I mean, I'm just as excited as anyone else when I see, you know, things that are glamorous and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But you get to define for yourselves, for your family, for your children one day, what you value. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, wealth is always going to be something that attracts our eye and attracts our attention. That's just a fact. And I don't think it's a Persian thing no definitely not and but a beauty also i mean looks are a factor you're both beautiful by the way the <laughs> listeners these are two beautiful beautiful oh my God. women please, let me just please tell you please stop <laughs> literally <laughs> i like
1: rushed here no makeup didn't well, do my hair that's what i mean you are i like beautiful. have something going on with my face right now i'm
0: like you're both
2: stunning oh, stunning you. Very you as well fashionable and cute and very small and easy so, to talk to i'm so blushing a little plug for
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, but I, I want to get back to the the wealth subject because I do think actually that a lot of people struggle in marriages. Like, you know, people say, oh, don't marry outside your community, but there's also people who are, even though they marry within their community, they'll marry someone who's like in a, not in the same class as them. And they grew up kind of differently and they'll have a lot of tension in their marriage and their raising of the family. And also the way that their family treats their husband or their wife, you know, depending on, uh, they'll think like, oh, she's geta, or he, you know what I right. mean? Like not up to. Like beneath
1: cent. us. Yeah. To prove
2: themselves to us constantly. Right, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, we are, this is a, a community. I mean, I think wealth can almost raise your class if you have, if it's a mm-hmm. wealthy family. But, but I think class is an issue, absolutely. I think the town you're born in, if you're Esfahani versus Tehrani, mm-hmm. or people think <laughs> oh, that's a factor. I always have
1: people ask me that, like non-Persian people will be like, oh, are you Mashadi or are you like whatever? Right. And I'm like, I have no clue. My mom's parents like got married as teenagers and moved to Israel. Like, I don't right. even know where my mom's parents are from. Like, right. And people ask
2: me it as if I'm supposed to care. I'm like, I the think the still... community is its own community in oh, Great Neck, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a definitely. Are you Mashadi or not? Yeah. I think religion is a very much a. Uh, it's also becoming an increasingly important factor. Mm-hmm. Are you religious or not, or which synagogue or not? I mean, there's so many uh, things that can be criteria, if that's yeah. what you want to call it. Well, even and though I'm American,
0: I very much feel. Um, I feel kind of Esfahani, just like based yeah. on what I've heard. No. About people, because I mean, my dad was born in Tehran and he also moved to uh, America in the 60s, as well as my mom. Oh, okay. well, my mom, uh, early 70s, but uh, his dad was from Esfahan and his mom was from Tehran. So, and then my mom is Tehranese. So I don't know, like, why, where I'm getting this from to say that I feel Esfahani, but just like based on the qualities. That are associated with it. Can I just say something so
1: haunted, funny? Which about. is
0: not a like a good thing to even say from what I what? everyone I don't know. Maybe we should talk about this like the stereotypes. Oh, a stereotype is uh, funny, My, as, my oh, mom used to make abusive. fun of their accent. No oh.
1: that they have like a, a bit of a list that funny like my mommy's funny yeah, yes, joke about that have a instead of saying um, choda
0: they say Khizah. like <gasps> really. Like, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> what's funny to me
1: <laughs> is almost everyone I ask like oh where are you from like older persians they're like oh I'm kashi or I'm this I'm that I'm like oh so you grew up in Kashan?" they're like no I grew up in tehran apparently the whole like, all of Iran just lived in Tehran at one point, but they all say they're from here and from there, because their grandparents are from there, and I'm like, I'm like, so all of you lived in Tehran? Like, did nobody really actually think... live where they're from? Like, I'm, I'm always so confused, I'm like, so you all lived
0: in Tehran? Like, how did you fit that many people in Tehran? Like... But I do believe in it. It's kind of like, I feel like the describing yourself based on where you're from is like the Persian version of astrology. No. There are some men who are like, they're cushy, but they, you know they could be born in america or they are born in tehran and like they're really so cushy based on what oh, i heard about supposedly my father is very cushy. I, I, I don't, don't know <laughs>
2: like, yeah, and the I whole thing with asad you yeah, again me like certain foods are gonna like completely oh, change oh oh my never god really <laughs> saw proof of that but some people so believe funny. it so and i guess some foods obviously affect you yeah. yeah and the town you're from some people really really think it's very important and you know what it's it's shared values, whatever it is, whatever yeah. it is. I mean, I think uh, the character of a person, really, what, you know, are you, are you is it someone that's going to match your values in important ways? Yeah. yeah, So, when, after being married to my husband for 29 years, we're such different people. We really are. I'm very much a know-it-all, bookworm, read-and-write type, <laughs> and he's very different. Uh, he's, he's much more of an outdoorsy person, very, very good with, like, fixing things and more mechanical But when it comes down to the things that matter, like parenting, we are absolutely on the same page. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, the way we spend money or the decisions we make, our values that we share that are the important ones, we're highly compatible. And I really think that's what you have to connect with. I just just want to say you're you're lucky that you
1: guys grew in the same direction. I think a lot of issues for people who get married younger, and I wanted to ask you this... Do you, do you feel like in the community there's less divorce because of fear? Because my, my mom was telling me about someone who, back when she was younger, someone who married someone way older than her. I'm like, whoa, why did she marry someone so much older than her? Like, did she not have another option? And my mom's like, yeah, she didn't have another option because she got married young, got divorced. And once mm-hmm. you're divorced, you're like a leper. You're like okay. scorned. And her only option was to marry someone way
2: older than her. Do you feel I like that's, that's still changing. an issue now? I so I mentioned before I have a twin sister yeah. who got divorced. She got divorced about um, eight or nine years ago, and I was actually her mediator in mm-hmm. her case date out of court. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, she was able to get back out there, um, and she remarried very quickly. She married someone, Ashkenazi, who's wonderful. He was at our Seder last night. Um, she's very, very happily married, and um, she that stigma did not affect her. It, it really didn't, and it probably affected my more than her. Okay. Yeah. And um, it was painful. It was like one of the first divorces in our family. We don't have that many, and most families don't have that yeah. many divorces. Mm-hmm. I think that stigma is lessening a little bit, mm-hmm. and the fact that my sister wasn't financially dependent, she was able to support herself, you know, she had a good um, agreement with her ex, they raised their children, I mean, you have to be able to move past it and not care so much about what people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea that divorced women or children of divorce are somehow bad bad, yeah. or somehow Ugh. damaged is completely untrue. That is not true. Yeah. We have to stop acting like it's, God forbid, cancer. So um, It's not going yeah. to kill you. You can start over and your family will help you. We have wonderful families that, of course, are going to help someone who needs help. And you get back on track. And, and when we stop stigmatizing it to the level that we do, I think it will get a little bit easier. I do still think though that divorce should be a last resort. I think our our uh, divorce rates are low because we really don't we don't really want it. Mm-hmm. And we won't pursue divorce unless it's absolutely necessary. And everyone knows In a lot of ways
1: I think that's such a good thing because it is a good in this thing. generation
2: people are so
1: eager to just move on to the next thing. People are I think, too easily getting divorced almost instead of trying to work on things. Yeah. People don't see divorce as a last resort, though. They see it as like, okay, this didn't work out, Bye. like,
0: Yeah, very me, me, me. But yeah. it's
1: it's also with dating. I think mm-hmm. it's a huge issue because so
0: in relationships,
1: options. I think people are
0: so easily options.
1: like, oh, I'm going to break up with you, move on to the next girl because right. there's so many options mm-hmm. out there
0: now. I didn't like her laugh. I'm going to find another girl with these exact traits, oh, but
2: she'll have that one fit. I really think that's really, it's really a shame that there are, really seems like unlimited options. Yeah. And it really is confusing, and uh, it's really affecting relationships. I think the divorce rate is dropping overall mm-hmm. in society because people are marrying later, and later marriage actually correlates with a lower divorce rate, believe it or not. Um, so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, yeah.
0: This is, Have you... Uh, well, I know you've seen Mrs. Maisel. You showed me Marvelous yeah. Mrs. Maisel. Have you watched Marvelous? I've watched it. So I was having a debate with someone about this, one of my mom's friends, actually. And we were talking about that how Joel and Midge uh, split up, and he after they split up, he starts improving, and he starts trying to improve his father's business and he becomes very motivated. He just like grows as a man. Right. And my mom's friend was saying she should, like, I think she should take him back. I think they have so much history. He really, I love your face. That was my face too. And I'm so mad because I wanted to they, end up with the other. Countries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. And, <laughs> and, um, and that people do change and he, he was just young. And, and so what do you think? Like, do you think that's a case where, they should stay together. I, I honestly,
2: I've I've reached a point having heard so many stories and and so many reasons why people stay together and don't stay together, yeah. and I really think it has to be up to the individual to make that choice. Yeah. I I don't judge anybody. I really don't. I mean, I think I've met with a lot of women, um, whose whose spouses are openly and blatantly cheating on yeah, them. Yeah, and they don't care. And it's not that they don't care. They oh. come to terms with it, and they will find. Oh, and some of them. Don't want to sleep with their husbands. I mean, that's a fact. They yeah. don't really want to participate in that for whatever reason. And uh, there are a lot of open marriages, and, and there are people that are okay with that, as long as it's a choice, and then you yeah. can live. No, with I that think choice. that's fine. As long it's as your just, dignity is not being impaired. Yeah. So yeah. yes, I've I've counseled many women that you know what, maybe there's something called a postnuptial agreement. You can do a financial agreement and stay married, and um, and almost like live like as, as roommates. Mm-hmm. And a lot of older couples, they want to lead separate lives, and you know, it's it's okay if that's you can live with that choice. Yeah, you should if it's never yeah, judge sexual, I, mean, I have no problem with that. I, but I, I've counseled people where one of them has a gambling addiction or a mental illness, and it's it really creates a very negative chapter in their marriage. Almost like how could you stay with this person? But then that person gets treatment and uh, recovers, and it's a different normal. It's a different relationship. But it's worth saving, and in their eyes, it's something they want to... And I would never, ever tell someone that they they should or shouldn't stay with someone who's cheating or doing something bad. I mean, the line really for me is domestic violence. Because domestic violence, most of the victims are women. Not all, some victims are men, but most of the victims are women. And what happens is women who are treated badly um, for decades and stay in bad marriages they eventually break down psychologically. They basically lose it. They start to become uh, very fragile, almost like hollowed out people. And that's a very sad thing. That really is a sad thing. And that's not a relationship that should continue. And that's not a relationship I would want to see any of my children or their friends or or the two of you, anyone, be in a relationship that's actually harming you. Now, if you want to stay in a relationship uh, and there's boundaries and, and you can make it better... Oh, go to counseling. Then maybe a lot of those relationships can be worked on. But um, you know, women really are, are really very vulnerable yeah. in relationships where they. For being me, that's abused. the line as
0: well. But there's, I feel like a lot of Persian people. Like, I've literally heard like Persian people I know say this that, oh well, do you like everyone has their vice? Like every, it's always in every marriage, there's some unhappy thing. Like they kind of, they're not saying domestic violence is okay, but they're saying that. We don't know what really goes on in everyone's home, and we can't judge that. And I just, I don't know. I think like if I know certain couples who they're still in a marriage together, even though the husband has been abusing them for
2: years, right, right. and has ended up in very nasty contact. So I just like yeah. it's hard, you know. There's, there are statistics out there. I'm on uh, involved with the Safe Center. I mentioned this domestic violence agency, and you know, uh, the more traditional the relationship the longer the victim stays. So um, Jewish women will stay in relationships seven years longer than a, than a secular or atheist woman. They will yeah. stay longer. Of and Muslim women will stay even longer. The more traditional and, and sort of controlled the women are in a community, the longer they will stay. And there's a correlation with this also with women who can't get a get. Do you know what a get oh, is? Oh yeah, the of gym? course. You know, it's, there, are, there are situations where, you know, women are really heavily controlled and they can't get their freedom. And for that reason, they will stay in a relationship that's harmful or they don't want their children to be alone with the father. So they'll say, OK, I'll stay here because then at least I'm always with yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, those are those are very sad outcomes. And the outcomes are not great for the kids either because they're growing up in a very, very unhealthy uh, environment. So, to the extent it's possible, you know, young women like yourselves that are dating, you know, or, or people that are listening, you really have to make sure that the things you're looking at in a relationship are not just the money and the fancy wedding and the jewelry, which are all very attractive and exciting, <laughs> yeah. which, believe me, I get it, um, but there's much more important things to look for in the character of the person that you're going to marry and, and, and you're going to ask to be the parent of your future children. You know, sometimes you know, this is not a Persian thing, but I'll have like a young woman or a young man come to me and they have like a two-year-old. And suddenly they think that their ex is the most terrible human in the world and shouldn't have any custody. And, you know, this is a terrible person. And I'm like, listen, two years ago, you had a child with this person. You married that person. You slept with that person. You brought a child into the world. How could it be now that suddenly this is a terrible person that shouldn't have any rights? And and the fact is, is that we're responsible for the actions we take. And and choosing a spouse, you know, having a child with that person are probably two of the most important decisions you'll make in your lifetime because those are going to affect your entire life. So you have to choose well, and that's on you. That's on you. You know, if you made the wrong choice because you got a big ring or it's a... Nothing is going to make up for that. Mm -hmm. Nothing. The character of the person really very important probably the number one criteria is just a good decent person that I want to grow old with and even if I God forbid get divorced from is going to be someone that I'm going to interact with for my, for my children these are important choices that, and I, I really Definitely. do talk about it a lot yeah. it's a, an important message to get out there was there anything
0: community. else I know you have notes Was there other things that you wanted to talk about or, or you also even ask, ask us, us Instagram to see I feel like we just been like, like asking
2: you the whole time but like sometimes we have <laughs> questions for us I mean, I, another topic that I think is very important, another message, and I, I said when I first got here is how brave you are for doing this and, and really speaking out because it's just so necessary for some of these taboos to be lifted, that we should talk about our stories and we should talk about what we're going through. It's very, very important. I'm sure that's one of the reasons why your, your audience is growing. And mm-hmm. um, I was at a party a couple of weeks ago at a very nice party uh, Spot mitzvah in the city, and um, there, was a, there was a group of doctors, men and women, talking about the Persian Girl podcast. <laughs> and have you Wait, heard about what? it? And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. she told me it's going you what? Yeah. And, <laughs> and they weren't talking about it in a negative way. As a matter of fact, the young man who's a doctor that mentioned it, he was saying it's very valuable to listen to, and I really think young women should talk about it and, and share their experiences with dating and and that's what got me to listen to it. And I, I reached out to you and I said I would love to talk to you about the podcast and possibly... Uh, it's you like, know, like insane I'm to me. It. I'm insane. sorry.
1: I'm just in shock right now. Your audience I don't, is growing. I don't it's realize important. how many people are listening. Like. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, it's very brave what you're doing. and I, Thank you. And um, I, I wanted to come here and also say that I think I would have a heart attack if you were my daughters. <laughs> because I don't know if I could deal with everything that you talk about on air. Yeah. I don't know if I could handle it, honestly. But at the same time, um, I think it's incredibly brave, incredibly necessary. And, uh, you know, I I am a little bit of, I'm not ashamed to say I'm a feminist. I really believe that women should have opportunities. They should live lives that they choose to have. And women should absolutely not judge each other. We should uplift each other. Uh, And that's um, going to improve the lives of everyone. Because women, as we know, are, are really important in the lives of their children. And if you have a woman who's empowered and who's making choices that are good Mm -hmm. and healthy, it's going to benefit everyone. It will benefit the children. It'll benefit the husband. It'll benefit everyone. So we need to have, I think, women that are brave enough to speak about their experiences. Although, honestly, you're the opposite of what I was at your age. And that's why I felt like it was important to connect with you guys. Because we're all Persian girls. We're all leading different lives and a lot of young women are doing exactly what you're doing. They're just not brave enough to talk about it. And I don't want to judge because my experience wasn't, my upbringing wasn't entirely normal. It really yeah. wasn't. And I don't, I didn't want to raise my children to be so uh, sort of controlled and limited in their opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think it's important that we all acknowledge that Young women are living different lives and they're going to have different opportunities and they're going to make different choices. And um, I applaud that. I really do. I really do. Thank you. Do you mind
0: if um, I ask you a few questions that our listeners just sent us?
2: Go right ahead.
0: Um, Someone asked, What value does a prenup have in California since it is known as a 50 50 state in divorce court? Do you know you so I about? do know.
2: I mean, yeah, California is a community property state. I don't know all the specific laws regarding uh, distribution of assets, but a cleanup is really the closest thing to divorce insurance. It is the only way that exists in any state to really limit the exposure that, that people have when they go through a divorce. And it's especially important, as I said, people are marrying later. Uh, so they usually have assets, even if it's just a co-op or it's just some retirement savings. It's important to have an understanding with the person you're about to marry about what happens to those assets. Mm-hmm. Um, or to talk about, am I going to have to support you if we get divorced? And and so prenups can really, at the very least, they open up a discussion. You can at least talk about what you have, what I have, not just assets but also debts. Mm-hmm. It's very important to know that. There are a lot of marriages where suddenly you realize that your, your spouse has $50,000 in credit card debt that he's going to pay down during the marriage using your money because any money during the marriage is marital yeah. property. Well, I've seriously never thought of it. It's that. important. <laughs> Student debts are never really part of the equation, but credit card debts or yeah. judgments or liens, or these are things that are important to know and about. And I guess some
1: people are getting divorced not even knowing.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's some unhappy financial oh, surprises. Uh, wow. But, you know, especially for professionals, for family businesses, yeah. if you have a prenup, Uh, And a family business absolutely needs a prenup because there's no other way to shield that business from an angry spouse who suddenly wants to subpoena everybody in the business or see all the bank statements going back 10 years or things that you're allowed to ask for in any divorce case with a prenup that really shuts it down.
1: Yeah. And it's very protective. In my mom's family, like everything is under my one uncle's name that didn't get married. Right. So that if anyone else gets divorced, nobody can like attack the family and take what belongs to the entire family. Wow. Like my mom and all her siblings. Like I remember when my uncle got divorced, my other uncle, his wife tried we have a like nice property in Israel and his wife tried to come and take it and say it's half hers. Right, right. And the whole time she didn't know it wasn't under her husband's name. Right. So when she came to try to like take it from us out of spite, I guess, um, she found out, like she she couldn't because yeah, right. it was protected in that sense. Yeah. It was under my uncle's name that wasn't married. It, it is scary to think that out of spite, someone that you loved so much right. will do it like a complete turnaround and just do everything in their power to take right. everything from you. People That's so that. scary. It is scary. I see it's... people getting divorced. I'm like, you were married to this person. You were in love with this person. You had kids with this. Like, how is it possible that suddenly they hate mm. you that much? Yeah. And it scares me. It scares me when I think about... The idea of getting married, do I know who I'm marrying? Like, how can someone change that much and hate me that much afterwards?
2: It really scares me. The other side of love and hate, they're very closely tied. Mm -hmm. And uh, betrayal, feeling angry, uh, it really, really brings out vindictiveness in a lot of people. And generally, that stage passes after a while. Mm -hmm. People calm down. But in the initial stages, uh, people can be extremely angry and uh, unreasonable. You know, they want everything or they want to give nothing. And those are, those, those are not reasonable. Those are not going to hold up in court. And sometimes that means you're going to have a really big legal mess. A prenup is really, you can see I'm a big fan of it. I do a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of them for the Persian community. It's very important, especially with family businesses, but more just so you can have a discussion about expectations. Yeah. You know, Are we going to have a household bank account? If we buy a house, where's the money going to come from? Are our parents going to lend us money? And how do we deal with that? Uh, and if you don't have those discussions, you're going to have some a lot of conflict. People will fight over things that could have been resolved yeah. No, or if on. you can't discuss that before marriage, then what kind of marriage is that? You know, that? girls don't, don't like prenups. I mean, assuming it's the girl that doesn't have the assets, a lot of times it is, though. I have yeah. plenty of prenups with my oh, wife's family sure, yeah. has the money. But it's not, you know, romantic. No. You know, you feel like you're being accused of being a gold digger. And I understand that, believe me. But the key to do a prenup is to do it. Way in advance of the wedding. Don't wait till the week before. So, so like it, how like do you bring up the conversation? Before. You have to say, you know, listen, my, my family has some assets or we have a business and our accountant, our lawyer is telling us that we need to do a prenup and I want to talk to you about it and yeah. do it in a respectful way, well in advance of the wedding. Have an open discussion. And, and when people love each other and they're planning a wedding, they're going to be fair. So there are going to be things in the prenup that benefit the less moneyed spouse. That's what you call it, the less-moneyed mm-hmm. spouse. So the, the non-moneyed spouse is going to have some things in there regarding life insurance or regarding uh, potential ownership of a mm-hmm. house or spousal support. You can't address child support. That can't be in a prenup. It's the one thing that you're not allowed to negotiate in advance. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of other things in, in the prenup that absolutely will put some give some peace of mind to both sides. And that's how you know it's a fair agreement. Just don't do it the week before the wedding. That's amazing.
0: And you have and to have lawyers nice. on both sides. Yeah, and yeah, I've learned, learned a, a lot. Side. Oh, wow. okay. yeah. Yeah, it's like too early for us.
1: <laughs> we might revisit this. <laughs> I feel. I feel like now any guy I go on a date with him and be like, "You don't know what I know." <laughs> I, I,
0: I'm, I'm so knowledgeable. call. call. Yeah. Were there any other questions? No, no. Let me. Um, actually, from the listeners, there was. One that I, you're not going to be able to answer because it's not—I um, think it's against the law. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's—they ask what's the worst case you've done. I don't really think you're at it's liberty to discuss that. Not against the, law. No. Not against I mean, them, but it's like kind of unethical. I guess not against
2: I, the law. I would never give details. Yeah, I mean, of listen, course. every case—I uh, have some fascinating cases at our Shabbat dinners. Every once in a while, I'll talk about it without giving details. It's a very interesting practice. You know, it really transcends money because whether someone is very wealthy or, or has no money, there are certain things in the human condition with, that are interesting. And mm-hmm. people make mistakes while they're married. And sometimes uh, marriages can be saved and sometimes they can't. They're very painful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, some, there's some stories. Uh, probably the one that stands out for me the most in the past few years is I represented a nurse who was married to a doctor uh, that was South American, that was like triple board certified, very high-earning doctor. And uh, on the second anniversary, they went on a trip together with their little daughter. And it was on that trip that she found out that he had had babies during the marriage with two other nurses. What? And what? she found that out because he tried to force her to sign a joint tax return, and then she saw other dependents on the return, Wait, and she realized what? that her little girl had two siblings that were within a year of her age. <gasps> oh Three. my and god! It was, a, it was a big case, and yeah, it was a huge, huge case. And First of all, eventually he, it. did he
1: not think she had eyes that he was um, telling her to sign something? There are other names there. Like, tell
2: you, tax returns are a very big issue because there are plenty of women that don't ever look at them and sign them without really reading them, and really defer to their husbands oh uh, in very destructive ways. So this woman, uh, it's a very dramatic story. She had a fight with her husband in the hotel. The hotel security had to escort her out because he tried to, like, grab her throat because she refused to sign the tax return. Wait. So by the time she came back to New York and called me, uh, when he returned to New York, he was served with an order of protection. Uh, it was a very dramatic case, and he really lost it. And, and, and you know... That's really the not so pretty side of it. People can really become violent and, and, and angry and react in very scary ways. Did and he at least
1: get what he had coming? Did
2: did she I mean by the end, uh, you know, orders of protection generally for a first time offender, you usually at some point they go away. So she had a stay away order for almost a year and by that time we had settled the case. And she, she got for a very short marriage, uh, she did she did pretty nicely and she got sole custody and she got she got a very fair outcome, um, and he, he was he was a very controlling guy. He was a very very controlling authoritarian type, and um, she she knew the warning signs before she married him, and ultimately she now has to co-parent with him until her child is eighteen. So that's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. It, you know it, it stands out in my mind. A lot of uh, she's a beautiful woman, you know she really she could have married anyone, and she really picked the wrong guy. But he was. A superstar at his hospital. You know, he was a really, really well-known doctor. So you're saying she ignored red flags because of his status? Well, I don't know. No I don't way. know what, uh, you know, he was, a very, very, he was a big shot, very wealthy, wow. very powerful at his hospital. She was a nurse at the hospital. Uh, I don't know, you know, something must have blinded her to his true nature because he was controlling. He threw things, you know, he was a controlling guy. And, I wonder um, what the other woman who had his kids are. Yeah, well, she, she was really. the only one that was the wife yeah, so the other two had were had a different situation.
0: Yeah. and
2: and unfortunately for him, he had just expanded his practice, and she got a piece of that too.
1: Then, oh, during a short her.
2: marriage, she did okay. yeah, but anyway, there's there's a lot of dramatic stories, and not all of them are with wealthy people. A lot of them really are people that are just um, mentally ill, drinking, bad behavior, secrets.
1: That's what scares me a little bit about the idea that I, I know in the Persian community, it's like, don't live with the person before you get married. Right. Like, don't even vacation together in some but cases. I think that's changing.
2: I, I think, I think it's changing
1: and for the better because how can you really, really yeah. know someone until you're with them in their most private moments? Because really if you're only seeing them on dates and in public places right. and at social events with right. other people around, how are you really yeah. getting to know? How do you really know what they have going
2: on inside I mean, of them? I think you know whether they drink. I think you know if they're partiers. I think you know if they're maybe sexually compatible. I think you know if financially they're on solid ground. I mean, there are, there are definitely some indicators. Yeah. And you should spend enough time with someone that at least those things, you have to be compatible. You have to both be willing to go out every night or, or stay in every night. Yeah. or You know, there are yes. certain things that are compatibility that are you're going to know. You're going to know. Would you, for example, let your daughter live with her boyfriend before they got married? I, I can't even imagine such a thing, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I would never say yes or no. I honestly feel like my my daughter's life is her own. Okay. She's, a, in my mind, a very impressive young lady, okay. and she has yeah, very good lovely. judgment. And like, you know, she's out there, she's meeting people. And I hope that, um, you know, she ends up in the right place with the right person the way I did. I'm not going to say she can do this or she can't do that. Yeah. I mean, I tell my kids, they laugh at me. They think it's hysterical. I did not really have a sip of alcohol until my 30s. I never smoked, to this day, I've never smoked a cigarette. Um, I, I was a very straight-laced person, raised in a very certain way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've only started, like, enjoying w- wine or mm. going out yeah. in my 40s. I mean, it was really when my children were older. I didn't really feel like it was appropriate but until I my children it's were older. But I think it's great
1: that you don't... Hold your
2: kids to this standard of the way you were not raised, and all. that you
1: understand that not it's all. a different generation, and there's different norms. 100%. And I think it's great that you get that. Hundred percent. Because you're very, you're not the sheltered person you once were. You're working in a field where you're seeing things and you're experiencing things through other people's eyes and seeing like how much uh, bad yeah. there is out there. So it's I feel so like you're not sheltered, you're not
2: like, judgmental. Like it's so yeah, I don't judge true. other people. I don't judge other women. I really think there's too much of that. There's really a lot of judging going on. And oh, it's definitely. Unfortunate. Even
1: for us, like, like listen, like, I'm so lucky that I have so many friends that are so like uplifting and are so proud of me for doing this. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely girls who message me and they're like, good for you. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, that good for you is a little bit of a
2: backhanded yeah, compliment. Yeah, like, yeah. good for you, but I would never do that. Like, kind yeah, of, but thing. I, I kind of get that because I could never do what you're doing.
0: But you know, I don't being yeah. really,
2: really honest about yeah. topics. This is not a Persian thing. Yeah, the average American man probably wouldn't talk as much yeah. as you guys have so openly, <laughs> and and that doesn't mean it's not valuable. It's very valuable. But you, no one's putting a gun to your head. You're doing this. I think knowing I care a little too
0: little
1: about other people's opinions. I know. <laughs> I don't know why. I just like I can't
2: seem to be bothered
0: by it. I don't know what's wrong with me.
1: Yeah, I just. I don't know. When I honestly, even going on dates with guys recently, I tell them go listen to my podcast, and people are shocked that I'm telling people that like on a first date. But like, I I want the person I'm with one day to understand that if they're with me, they have to accept all of me. I'm not going to hide who I am from them because then if I'm hiding who I am, and they accept me, they're not really accepting me. They're
0: accepting someone I pretended to be. Right. Yeah. One of the first guests we had, she said the quote that I really love.
2: She said, "Your vibe attracts your tribe." Oh, for, I love uh, that. And the it's right like, person yeah. is going to Life love that about it. you. As a matter of fact, if that's going to be the one thing. He's going to love yeah. that about you, and you're going to love that. He loves that about you, and mm-hmm. and that's going to be the right person, hopefully. And hopefully, he'll yeah. be rich too. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's always that applause. Would be
2: nice. Always nice. I'm definitely not
1: turning that down. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, well thank you so much for yeah thank you so much for
1: being here and speaking to us I and taking the time it. to talk to us you, really you're so it. amazing as a woman
2: and like you ladies yeah. are amazing too you're in, uh, you really inspire me Ooh. I really feel like this is a new generation of Persian girls that are really going to look to you and, and look to people that are out there living the fullest lives and uh, you know I, I always want girls to stay safe you know I keep bringing up violence and, and women yeah. are at risk and you should stay safe you know Just be conscious of what you're doing and who you're doing it with and don't put yourself in dangerous situations. And other than that, you know, this is your life to live and and, uh, our community is changing and being more accepting. So that's really great. That's really great. And
1: with the help of people like you, they're being more accepting. So thank you. I hope so. I hope
2: so. Inshallah for your wedding. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 What